Internet creatures, I'm Dave Rubin, and this is the Rubin Report direct message for today, April 22nd, 2021. As always, click that subscribe button and tap that notification bell so maybe you get our videos in your YouTube news feed. And before we do anything, I just wanna quickly thank a whole bunch of you because I actually went through some comments yesterday, saw a lot of comments on our locals community and Twitter and elsewhere. A lot of people said that yesterday was the best show that we've done so far. It wasn't the funniest show we've done, I can assure you of that, but I think it was probably the most in-depth and sort of clear-minded and clean related to facts and trying to stop this insane narrative that's being forced down all our throats and all that stuff. So I was glad to see that you guys are digging it. So today we are doing an Ask Me Anything. Uh, We got over 100 questions at rubinreport.locals.com. I am gonna do one story up top, obviously, because I wanna talk about this, the reaction really uh, to the Micaiah Bryant story. She's the girl that was shot after attacking another girl with a knife and now basically the entire woke left has come out for would-be knife murderers, which if you think that that's as crazy as these people can get, just wait, people. You have no idea how much crazier they can get. So we're gonna decipher some of that with video and facts. Uh, Before we do any of that though, guys, I wanna talk to you about 1-800-Flowers. You know, a mother is someone who loves you with all her heart. I know my mom does. So whether it's your birth mom, stepmom, or a strong maternal figure, this Mother's Day, celebrate all of the amazing women in your life with a gorgeous bouquet from 1-800-Flowers.com. Right now, 1-800-Flowers is offering 24 multicolored roses plus a free vase for $34.99. This gorgeous bouquet of two dozen roses and an assortment of bright colors is guaranteed to show all of the moms in your life just how much they're loved. I can't wait to send a 1-800-Flowers bouquet to my mom. I guess I just blew the surprise. Mom, you're getting flowers. All the roses from 1-800-Flowers are picked up at their peak, cared for every step of the way and shipped fresh to ensure lasting beauty. Pick up an early delivery date that ensures your bouquet will arrive in time to make Mom's Day special. 24 multicolored roses plus a free vase for $34.99 is an amazing offer, but prices will be going up, so order yours today. Don't put this off. Order today from the official florist of Mother's Day, 1-800-Flowers.com to order 24 multicolored roses plus a free vase for $34.99. Go to 1-800-Flowers.com, click the radio icon and enter code Ruben. That's 1-800-Flowers.com, code Ruben. And now back to me. Okay, so we're gonna get to plenty of questions because you guys submitted a whole bunch at rubenreport.locals.com, but I wanna just unpack this Micaiah Bryant shooting in Columbus, Ohio quickly for you guys. Uh, because she was trying, this is a 16 year old girl, she was trying in essence to kill another girl with a knife, you shouldn't do that, and she was shot by a police officer. So we're gonna show you first, let's look at some video, this is from the White House. I don't don't think we need to show you all the video again, we're gonna show you some of it in just a moment. But first here's White House reaction from that real gem of a spokesperson, Jen Psaki. Uh, the killing of 16-year-old Michaela Bryant by the Columbus police is tragic. She was a child. We're thinking of her friends and family and the communities that are hurting and grieving her loss. We know that police violence disproportionately impacts uh, black and Latino people in communities and that black women and girls, like black men and boys, experience higher rates of police violence. We also know that there are particular vulnerabilities that children in foster care, care like Micaiah, face. 
And her death came, as you noted, just as America was hopeful of a step forward after the traumatic and exhausting trial of Derek Chauvin and the verdict that was reached. So our focus is on um, working to address systemic racism and implicit bias head on, and of course to passing laws and legislation that will put much needed reforms into place at police departments around the country. Oh, Lordy, Lordy, Jen, let me clean that up for you. So of course, what is this really about? It's about systemic racism. That's what she says she's gonna focus on now. Now there's no evidence this had anything to do with racism. That was an officer trying to make sure that one girl didn't kill another girl. Uh, in a civil society, you're not allowed to stab other people with knives. So the officer did what they thought they had to do. Again, we can always talk about training and whatever. I heard a lot of people saying, well, she should have used a taser. I mean, a taser doesn't always work. It's a little harder to aim. She maybe still could have stabbed her, but we can have all of those discussions, but they don't really wanna have those discussions because that they wanna have is discussions about systemic racism and how to burn the whole system down. Uh, there was also this line in there where she says, you know, the disproportionately, that police violence disproportionately affects black and Hispanic people. And now they're trying to tie Hispanic people into this the way they've been trying to tie Asian people into this because they need you as groups and they can't have you as free thinking individuals. We all know that. Uh, yesterday, we went through a whole bunch of numbers on all of this stuff. In 2019, and this is according to the Washington Post, this isn't some crazy right wing rag, the Washington Post, which analyzed the data, 2019, nine unarmed black people were shot by cops, 19 unarmed white people were shot by cops. That's more than double in case you're using math, okay? Um, and she also is ignoring the fact that behaviors have something to do with it. You know, it, this is the weird thing with equity. They seem to want everything to be equal. So it's like, okay, if we shot 50 black people, we gotta shoot 50 white people, which by the way, that's sort of what they actually do mean. It's just like, okay, if we can just get more white people shot, then, then we'll be okay. In essence, that really is what they mean. And I know this will be clipped by Media Matters. You losers, I'll get to you in just a sec. Um, so it, if we're gonna deal with this honestly, which I know it's getting very hard to deal with any of this stuff honestly, then we have to talk about behavior, that a behavior has something to do with some of this stuff. And we can talk about all the reasons that people act differently. You could try to read a Thomas Sowell book and you might realize some things about the welfare state that did not help behaviors and all of that kind of stuff but we've got a whole bunch of other stuff to get to. So I wanna to talk to you about uh, LeBron James quickly because he posted a tweet. So let's put his first tweet up. So there's LeBron's tweet. Now this has since been deleted and he is saying your next accountability with a picture of the officer that did the shooting. Now again, this officer shot a knife wielding woman who was attacking another girl. Uh, he then deleted that and he tweeted this, I'm so damn tired of seeing black people killed by police. I took the tweet down because it's being used to create more hate. This isn't about one officer, it's about the entire system and they always use our words to create more racism. I am so desperate for more accountability. I, I retweeted that and I made a point of giving LeBron the actual numbers that I just read to you from the Washington Post. He did not retweet me, unfortunately. But this guy loves narrative. And I wanna say something about LeBron. You know, you know, you guys know my feeling. First off, I have a basketball right behind me that was used in a Trailblazers practice in 1991. I, I loved, loved, not love. I loved the NBA. I love basketball. I still try to play even though I got a torn ACL in my knee. I still watch old basketball games. Um, but I don't watch anymore. I don't watch new games anymore. I haven't watched them for a couple seasons. I actually couldn't even remember who won the NBA championship until someone reminded me yesterday. Um, it, it happened to be LeBron and the Lakers. Um, nobody wants their stuff politicized endlessly. And at some level, I actually sympathize with LeBron. Even though he's got gajillion dollars, he's afraid of saying anything about China, but he'll endlessly tell you how racist 
of the United States is the, the whole Uyghur uh, genocide thing in China. He, that that's not a real problem. But but you know, America's racist. You know, he's building like a forty million dollar house in L.A. From what I understand right now. Um, but at some level, I sympathize with him because. He, he just wanted to play basketball for a living. And that's a pretty freaking lofty great goal because I wish I played basketball for a living, I really do. And I have no problem with that. But then he is asked to say all these things and now he's in so deep and the machine in essence won't let him get out of it. So imagine if LeBron actually in his real life started reading about some of this stuff, started listening to the things that Larry Elder has been saying for years, that Thomas Sowell has been writing about for decades, just looking at the actual numbers, looking at what the welfare state has done, all of the stuff that you guys now know because you watch this, right? Imagine if he started waking up to it and saying some of that stuff, the mob would destroy him. So the machine, whatever that is, whatever the machine is, the machine will not let this guy get up for air in essence. So he just keeps repeating sort of these dumb things and then basically, you know, having to delete tweets and then back them up, you know, then, then the follow-up tweet is about the racism in America and all that, and it's like, yeah, well, actually, it's you guys that are ushering in all this racism. But if you wanna see how confusing all of this is, I always talk to you guys about the reality war, so that if you watch certain sets of news, you don't get sensible, honest reporting, you get very skewed reporting. So we're gonna play a clip from NBC News as they're talking about uh, the, the shooting, okay? And I want you to listen to what they're saying and note where they cut the video, this is NBC News, and remember, she, she was attacking another girl with a knife. In essence, she was about to kill her and then she did get shot. This is how NBC reported it. Police body cam video shows Micaiah Bryant's final moments. When a Columbus, Ohio police officer responding to a call gets out of his car and seconds later fatally shoots the 16-year-old girl. Authorities say Bryant was threatening two other girls with a knife. It's a tragedy. There's, there's no other way to say it. It's a 16-year-old girl. So you see what they did there? This one isn't like totally heavy-handed, but the police was responding to a call. They didn't say about the knife right then and there, right at the beginning. They should have said there was police was responding to a call that she was wielding a knife and attacking somebody. Uh, they also stopped the video right before you could actually see the knife. Now, I'll give credit where credit is due. So NBC, you could see, they just didn't wanna quite say what the truth is. And remember again, if she had stabbed that girl to death, 100% with certainty, um, that you would not know about this, right? Like it would not have made it to NBC News. That's the broader point. So NBC there, they sort of, the police showed up as if that she's the victim in this thing, okay? Which she obviously isn't. Um, and, and in essence, they basically make the villain the victim. Okay, that's what they're doing, okay? But I'll give credit where it's due. CBS actually kind of did a decent job. Note the difference between the tone and the footage. Police say they were responding to a 911 call about someone who had a knife. These grown girls over here trying to fight us, trying to stab us. When Officer Reardon arrived, Brian appears to be chasing one girl before threatening another. Slowed down, police say the video shows 16-year-old Bryant raising a knife. Officer Reardon repeatedly shouts, get down, and then he fires. Which one of those seems more honest? Which one of you shows the perilous situation that the girl who was being stabbed was in, that the cop was in, right? They actually talk about the knife and show you the full footage. So CBS, I give credit where credit is due. You get some credit right there, okay? You don't always do good stuff. 
but you did some decent stuff right there. And NBC clearly wanted to push a narrative. I think you guys all see that. All right, let's just do one other thing before we get to the Q&A. Uh, you know, I often note that these losers at Media Matters, they, they sit and they watch these shows. I mean, Media Matters, which is, you know, a sort of media watchdog, which it's a nonprofit that it's just funded by millionaires that are on the left to just take out anyone who they don't like. So they, they're always going after Shapiro and they're always going after Prager and Glenn Beck, they've gone after me. So this loser, it doesn't even matter what his name is, uh, tweeted out a clip from me yesterday. And I had already said earlier in the show, I have no doubt that they're gonna selectively edit this stuff and put it up. Uh, but Dave Rubin warns that anti-white laws are coming. You know, so they're actually quoting something that I said, but he's putting it to his audience as if I'm doing something racist, right? Like that's the whole point. He wants, he's a media watchdog and he wants crazy right-wing Dave Rubin to seem like he's racist. Um, yes, fool, and I actually followed up uh, Jason Rance over at KTTH Radio, who's a really good radio host. I've, I've done his show a couple of times. Um, he actually tweeted this after. I, I ex fully explained to you guys why I think anti-white laws are coming, because if you want equity and not equality, you're gonna have to punish certain people as you raise other people. We know this is coming, right? Asian people at Harvard. I mean, we've been through this stuff a million times. The government is saying that they're gonna hire based on equity. So that means you're gonna have to, there are more white people in the United States. This is just a fact. You're gonna have to not give white people jobs so that you can give black people jobs. This is, this is the stuff that they're bringing in, not the stuff that I'm for. But anyway, that's what I said on the show yesterday. He puts this tweet up. The implication being that I'm racist, obviously, this loser. And then, by total chance, Jason Rance happens to post this, that the Washington State Department of Health is letting providers deny vaccines to whites. One provider denying white people vaccines thinks that it's equitable. Is that what you're thinking? That it has to be just be totally a free-for-all and whoever comes in, comes in? In essence, because they're saying, no, we want to give vaccines to black people and marginalized communities first. So yes, anti-white policies and laws are coming. And in essence, they're also here. There's also something called affirmative action, which many people, including Thomas Sowell and Larry Elder and plenty of other people have been arguing are racist for a long time. Anyway, hey Jason, how are you? Glad I could keep you busy. Okay, uh, let's move on to the Q&A. Stack attack says, what should be done to try to combat the narrative that people should fear being shot by police? Okay. So we played, or yesterday I read to you uh, a whole bunch of statistics on this stuff. As a general rule, if you are not attacking somebody violently and you do not resist arrest, you will not be um, violently attacked by a police officer. You will not be shot or attacked or anything else. Uh, the other case that's happening right now, this Dante Jones one, which, uh, sorry, Dante Wright, which we showed you uh, a couple days ago, he was, not only did he have a warrant out for his arrest, but then they had him in handcuffs, he broke away, drove away. He shouldn't have been shot. It sounds like the officer made a mistake, all of that stuff. But the point is, if he would have gotten out of the car and been handcuffed, uh, then everything, everything, well, everything would have been fine. It's all, it's all relative. He wouldn't have been thrilled with what was gonna happen to him as he went into the system. Um, but generally speaking, if, if you get pulled over, I've actually only been pulled over one time in my entire life. I was pulled over, officer, was uh, probably about 50 years old. He was training a young officer who was probably about you know 22 or so. And he claimed that I swerved and he wanted me to take a breathalyzer. And I'll tell you, I was nervous. Like you get nervous, like just fact. I wasn't drunk. I had had one glass of wine and I was fully open up. I was fully honest about that. I was like, actually, I'm just leaving a party. I had one glass of wine. I was literally, uh, basically, I was making the left turn right to get onto my street where I was about to park on the street. 
but I was nervous. And then he had me do, you know, follow the light and I had to stand on one foot. And then I actually did the breathalyzer and all that. But when he was asking me questions, I was definitely a little nervous, probably a little stumbly fumbly. And then when he realized that nothing was wrong, he just let me get back in the car and that was it. Now, some people could be watching this and saying, that's not what they would have done to a black person. You got away with it with your one glass of wine because you're white. But I don't think, generally speaking, that these are bad people. And I don't think police go into policing to be racist. I really don't. I have met so many police officers, especially in the last year or so, and they are not bad people. That doesn't mean that there aren't bad apples, but there's also no such thing as a perfect system. So when Jen Psaki says, you know, takes uh, this clip of the officer shooting a girl who was about to stab somebody and says, this is proof that we must get rid of systemic racism. It's like, well, then show me how racism is in policing. Show me the laws where police are rewarded if they shoot more black people or some other thing. And the reason is they can't, but they know that they can just keep saying these things over. She can keep saying systemic racism over and over and no one's gonna say anything about it. And LeBron can keep saying how racist America is while he makes hundreds of millions of dollars to play basketball. And it just, it just kind of is what it is. So the only way you can fight a false narrative is with truth. And, it, and it's tough because people will call you racist for telling the truth, but that's really the best you can do. I would say, you know, there are short five minute PragerU videos that you can show people. I would hand them some Thomas Sowell books, get them to some Larry Elder clips, um, have them watch the radical right wing libertarian extremist Dave Rubin. You know, there's ways, there's ways. Uh, Cynthia says, how would you respond if your child wanted to be a police officer? Great question. Um, I, I don't think I would want my child to be a police officer. Um, and that is a really horrible, sad truth that I think society is coming up against right now. Uh, we know that a ton of police officers in all of these defund cities that we covered yesterday where now crime and murder is rampant, and in some cases it's tripling and quadrupling, uh, we know that officers are now retiring early. They're saying there's just no point of me putting my life on the line, especially as I'm so close to retirement when I'm not gonna be backed up by my department or my mayor or my governor, et cetera. So we have a huge problem on that front. And then for a young person, for a young person that says, okay, I, I wanna uh, do my civic duty, I wanna, I wanna help protect my neighborhood and all of those things, um, now I have to wear a camera. Now, if I do this wrong, this is gonna happen. Or if I do absolutely nothing wrong, but the race, situation fits the narrative that they, they wanna get out. Well, now I'm gonna be called racist and I could potentially be jailed or a zillion other things or, or in essence, the mob and, and the sort of, the, the feeling of society is just gonna go completely against me. It's like, it's, it's dangerous to be a police officer in good situations. Um, but right now it's really dangerous and this is a huge problem. So in many ways, what's gonna happen is you're going to get less and less qualified people to be police officers because a certain set of people are just gonna select out. They're gonna say there's just no reason to do that. So now we're gonna make policing worse by constantly demonizing police. The people that you're gonna get to come in to be police are going to be of lesser quality. And this is what the left does with everything. They never, their whole thing is equity, we're gonna raise everybody. But in essence, they basically destroy things to lower them to the other standard. And once you understand that, then things start uh, being a lot clearer. Uh, I can't see the name on this one. There we go, Dog Mom. With the recent beyond outrageous comments from so many on the far left woke folks, do you think the tide is beginning to turn? I do at some level, but I'm, you know, I'm hesitant to say it because we're, we're just at the beginning of this fight. But I do think that in these two months or whatever it is, two and a half months of the Biden administration, that every 
patently ridiculous, idiotic, lefty, woke idea that could possibly be ushered in is on its way in. Um, I just read this morning now that uh, Congress has put forth a bill for the 51st state, DC at the 51st state. It probably won't pass the Senate, but the point that they are coming for everything and expand uh, the courts as we know, and the electoral college and DC as a state and critical race theory back in the system, it's like, what is, give me one thing that Joe Biden of 47 years in government stood for that he stands for now. Joe Biden stands for nothing other than the momentum of the woke left. So I think more and more good people are waking up. We are, we are definitely seeing signs of that. Actually, uh, Barry Weiss wrote a piece on her Substack that was, what she does actually is she outsources it so she lets other people write pieces, but there was a, a, a educator in New York uh, by the name of Paul Rossi, who's standing up against some of this stuff. I'm actually gonna do a mini interview with him. Are we, are we airing that tomorrow? Uh, we're gonna put that up next week. Um, and more and more people are standing up and fighting against this. But again, I think you just have to do what you have to do in your own, in your own world, in your own life. If you see your kids being indoctrinated, you gotta figure out a way to get them out of those schools. If you, whatever it is in your life that you can control, because they are coming for everybody. Uh, if you're following me on Twitter, and I don't recommend anyone be on Twitter, you know, Twitter Moments is, be is becoming a truly editorialized section so that it's not just that they're manipulating us with algorithms and shadow bans, but the stories they're choosing to highlight and the way that they frame them, it's like the whole machine is coming against us. But if you think it's bad, like just trust me guys, your, your silence only gives it room, right? It only gives it oxygen. So if you think it's bad, you gotta do something now because it ain't gonna be easier. I'll just, I'll just be quiet for a little while and it'll pass me over. No, it'll be far worse in three years. You'll be that much weaker and you'll be that much more culpable for all of the bad things that are gonna happen. So fight, man. Uh, Jeffrey says, do you think Tulsi Gabbard might be able to help you in finding some sane Democrats? Well, first off, if you didn't see it, I'm thrilled to announce that not only does Tulsi Gabbard have a absolutely thriving community on locals, but she's also an investor in locals. Um, so that's great. And uh, you probably saw that we had a big found, uh, fundraising round, a big seed round that just closed this week and we've got some great people. Uh, so that's very exciting. But uh, can she find some sane Democrats? Um, well, I don't wanna discuss anything that I've discussed with her privately, but I will give you my perspective on this, which is that a sane Democrat at this point, you're pretty much a moderate Republican. What, what sane Democrat is there? What old school Democrat is there? If you would have asked me 10 years ago, I would have told you that someone like Chuck Schumer, and I think in his heart of hearts, is probably a somewhat sane Democrat. I don't think he's really a crazy leftist. 10 years ago, I don't think Joe Biden was a crazy leftist. Even Nancy Pelosi 10 years ago, or Dianne Feinstein 10 years ago were not crazy leftists. But the movement and the momentum and the energy of the woke lunatics has basically corrupted all of these people. You let it in the system and it destroys the whole thing. So show me one Democrat standing up against it. You know, you wanna reincarnate uh, JFK, you know? All right, then maybe we'd have a sane Democrat, but I don't think there's anything left there. And that is not to say the Republicans are so great, but they're considerably better when it comes to lockdowns, when it comes to any of this woke stuff. Why are Texas and Florida thriving? Why are New York and California struggling? Like these things are somewhat connected. We know that, right? Like we just know it. Uh, Amy says, I'm a high school biology teacher and I'm concerned about being mandated to take critical race theory training. I'm trying to think ahead because I love my job and I've been very concerned. Well, look, it's coming, it's coming. And, and again, thank you, Libs, 
Thank you, very nice liberals like Bill Maher. You helped usher in Joe Biden because he's not orange, right? There was a guy guarding the door. He was the orange guy and you guys all took him out because as Gad said, says he was an aesthetic injury to you. So you got rid of him and then what'd you get? Well, you got all of the awful stuff and who will come cancel Bill Maher eventually? It will be the left, it will not be the right. Who are the only people that say nice things about Bill Maher anymore? It's people on the right who say, I disagree with them, but occasionally he gets something right. But, but you know the why, you know my feelings on this, the sort of wider just decimation of the liberal elite uh, and you can figure out who the names are, it doesn't even matter. It's much bigger than, than picking specific people. But as for what you can do, look, it's coming to your schools. It's coming to all of our institutions. It's coming to all of our governmental institutions as well. So what can you do? Um, don't say anything that you don't believe. So even if they force you for your job to, to do this, now, like I can't sit here and tell you to quit your job, right? Like you have to think through your life. You know, when I was on tour with Jordan Peterson, when we would do the Q and A's, a lot of things were about, I'm at a job, I don't like, what do I do? And one of the things he would often say, and I'm not even saying you don't like your job, by the way, I'm guessing that you do like your job as a high school biology teacher and you're trying to figure out how to keep your job and, and keep your dignity and all that, right? You, I think you specifically said you love your job. So like, how do, we, how do we deal with that? Well, one of the things that Jordan would say is, okay, if you're not happy about your job or you're not happy about something happening at your job, you can't just quit tomorrow. Like you have to think about your life holistically. Like, okay, do I have a spouse? Do I have kids? What are my bills situation? Do I have another job prospect? Is my resume in order? Like if you think about all of those things and let's say you really wanna keep your job because that's what it sounds like. It's like, maybe you have to go to these trainings and I would say probably you should at least register a complaint with someone. Now, most likely they're gonna ignore it and actually most likely you'll probably get called a racist and then it's very possible they'll try to come for your job too. And that's why this all sucks because you just wanna live your life and, and have dignity and self-respect and fight for truth. But the acquiescence, as I just said, is, is the much more dangerous path. The path to do nothing um, is more dangerous. So I would say at the very least, and again, you have, to, you have to factor in all the things in your life to figure out how to deal with this. But at the very least, if you go to these trainings and let's say you don't register a complaint, you don't say anything to anyone. Well, I would hope that at the very least, if they're asking you to talk about this in biology class, biology, you know, these STEM things, biology and math and science and physics, these things that are beyond racism, although racism is coming perceived racism is coming for all of them. I would hope that at the very least you would just not teach it, just not even talk about it. But I, that's not a full answer. It's not a full answer. And this is, this is a great challenge for everybody. So I hope that gave a little bit of insight. Uh, Storm says, if the USA loses its way, it is no longer a freedom loving place. Where else is? Well, China, I would assume China, you know, these uh, wokesters seem to love China these days. Everyone on the left loves China. I guess we go to Russia, sure, you know, Putin's, you know, jailing his political opposition or maybe Venezuela would be nice or Cuba, I guess, would be spectacular. I mean, the joke is, and I say this all the time, but the joke, of course, of all of this is when you listen to AOC and these ridiculous wokesters, they always tell you, and Bernie, always, Scandinavia, he always talks about Sweden and Denmark, they're so great. I've been to Sweden, I've been to Denmark, I've been to Finland, okay, these are great countries, I enjoy being in them. They're tiny, tiny, teeny, tiny countries with mostly homogenous white 
scary white people, societies. And it's only in the last 20 years that they've had an influx of migrants, often brown migrants, and now they are having huge problems. The United States, on the other hand, a country of 350 million people that everyone on earth has tried to come to to make a better life. By and large, they've always done it. We've integrated better than any society. We, in our 250 years, have integrated more black, brown, Asian, gay, straight, Christian, Jew, Muslim, blah, blah, blah people than any other country, all the European countries that have existed forever, right? The European countries that existed for hundreds and hundreds of years, we're a pretty new country. We've done it better than everybody and they're still telling us all the awful things about ourselves. So I, where would you go? I don't know, Bora Bora is nice, but they've only got like, I don't know how many of those huts above the water, you know, and that, that ain't cheap. So <laughs> I don't know, Galt's Gulch, that, that's where you gotta go. Um, Okay, Jared says, as another gay conservative, how do you think we can reach out to others in the gay community that the answer for our equality is less governmental regulation and not more? Um, I hear this a lot from gay people because gay people are waking up. You know, gay people are sort of the other, right? I've, I've discussed this with Douglas Murray, who's a, who's a gay conservative. Uh, even that phrase is sort of silly. He's a, he's a person, he's a human. He happens to be conservative in his political beliefs and he's gay in his private life. Okay, zippity dippity. Um, but we've discussed it before and what he has said to me is that perhaps because of being the other in that regard related to sexuality, that gay people, their skin is a little bit thinner, let's say, when it comes to all of the things wrong with society. One of the interesting things for me is I, I was never really that into gay culture. I, you know, I talked about this the other day. I, I went to some gay pride parades, blah, blah, blah. Married a gay dude. So, you know, I, I know about this stuff a little bit. Um, but I was never that, like I, did, I never liked drag shows. I actually always hated drag shows because they all seemed like hack comedians. So I never liked any of that. I don't really care for RuPaul's drag race or any of that kind of stuff. But if you didn't know this story, real quick, a 2016 election, I used to live in West Hollywood. It's like the gayest place on earth. And I go to my polling station and I'm trying to figure out, like I literally did not know if I was gonna vote for Hillary or Trump. I just did not know what I was gonna do. I ended up voting for Gary Johnson, whatever. Um, but I'm online at the West Hollywood polling place, like the gayest place on earth. And I'm standing behind RuPaul, who was a man in that moment, wasn't dressed up in drag. And it was a little sidebar there. Um, what gay people have to realize, and I would say every minority has to realize this, is that it's not the state telling you that we're for equity that is gonna make you truly equal. It's, it's equality under the law, which we have. Gay people can get married. There's nothing stopping you from doing anything if you're gay. Do whatever you want. And is it possible that some people won't like you because you're gay? It is. And guess what? Is it possible now that some people won't like you that, because you're straight? It is. There's a fairly radical LGBTQI LMNOP movement happening and they don't really like straight people. Society can't solve all of your problems, but, but what gay people should realize is when, when they were coming for gay people, like back in the Stonewall days and when every gay bar, you know, it's like, I'm not that old, I'm 44 years old, but I do remember in my say mid twenties or early twenties going to gay bars and they were all in these like dirty, dingy places with blacked out windows and all of that stuff because it was this, it was this subversive thing and it wasn't really safe and were you gonna be outed and we, gay people were not equal at the time. Well now, it is, we, we are equal. Actually, in Chicago, the gay area in Chicago used to be called Boys Town. Now they, they don't, they're not allowed to say that anymore. I'm not kidding. They call, they call it something else. Can you Google this? Whatever they call Boys Town now. Um, because it was, it was too exclusive because it sounded like it was just for gay men or something. But I remember the first time I went to Chicago after living in New York City and I couldn't believe that in Chicago, their gay bars had windows and they were sort of out on the street and you could see other human beings. That's within my lifetime. So the gay movement has, has a, 
achieved what it's supposed to achieve. But as Chris Rock says, the cops need a certain amount of crime and glad and the HRC and these ridiculous people, they, they raise money. Media matters, all of these people raise money off of you feeling like you're oppressed. But when you were, when, when gay people were hiding and going to these places with blacked out windows and all this stuff, it was because the government was gonna come in, right? It was the government that was coming in to arrest people and charging them with all of these things and all of that stuff. So what you would want is people to be free and not have to deal with government intervention. That would be the truest thing. And by the way, I see a lot of gay people waking up to this. And uh, we do facts. We do facts in the middle of the show. I get facts flying at the screen. Boys Town in Chicago is changing its nickname after an online petition claimed it wasn't inclusive of women, gender non-binary individuals, and people of color. It will now be advertised as North Alstead with the slogan, Chicago's proudest neighborhood. You see, we've stopped homophobia, people. We don't call it Boys Town, it's now called North Thalstead, which sounds like a place in Game of Thrones. Okay, Anya says, how not to give up? Seeing the Chauvin verdict, federal push for CRT and all the madness in corporate media, I feel that I feel very deflated and I wanna give up. You know what? I hear you. Um, I think you've heard it in my voice in the last week. I've been more frustrated than usual, a little more despondent than usual at some level. Um, but the key thing for any of us, if you love freedom, if you love America, if you love, forget America, forget freedom, if you love life, if you wanna live and you wanna be free and you wanna love who you wanna love and, and find a job that gives you purpose and, and do something that makes you happy on this little mortal coil that's spinning around the sun, then understand that not all the answers are gonna come from politics. And politicians don't have the answers, pundits don't have all the answers, I don't have all the answers, you don't have all the answers, but there's ways to figure it out. Like, like I could just tell you in, in my own life, like when I wake up in the morning, I try to do a little cardio in the morning, I try not to stare at my phone all morning. We try to eat really good food, right? Like that's what we try to do. We listen to music, uh, we walk the dog, like the, all the little things that life are, is about. There's this other set of people, they're, they're purposely making everything political because, because they know that will keep you angry. It will keep you focused on, on other people instead of yourself. And I think more and more people are gonna realize the answers have nothing to do with this and we just must build things. And uh, I mean, not to sound like a commercial, but that literally is why I started Locals. How I can't solve all the big tech's problems. I don't think I can get these people to move on anything. Um, and maybe it's not even because they're all evil, but the machinery is just so big it can't move. You know what I mean? Like a, it's like the Titanic hitting the iceberg, like they needed to know earlier and that's sort of what big tech feels like. But you know, if you have a slim trim boat and you know, you got a couple people instead of thousands of people and you don't need all those guys downstairs throwing all that stuff into the, all the coal into the fires and all that stuff, you can move a little bit quicker. So that's what I believe the future will be. It'll be smaller, not bigger. And we just, we just gotta get there and have a little hope. And as Jordan Peterson would say, that star in the distance, who was wishing upon that star? That guy knew what he was doing. Uh, guys, part two of my interview with Chef Andrew Gruel is up at uh, is up on YouTube actually, and of course the full episode is up absolutely ad free at RubenReport.locals.com. And uh, well, I don't want to say too much, but it's very possible I'm meeting dozens and dozens, if not hundreds, of people in uh, SoCal sometime today, perhaps in Orange County. Uh, there would be only one way you would find out. That might be at rubenreport.locals.com, but I don't wanna really hint too much. And maybe some of the media matters people will come. That would be very, I'll buy you a drink. 
Uh, guys, tomorrow we're doing an environmental panel with Bjorn Lomberg, Benji Backer, and Alex Epstein. We're gonna talk about sort of a, let's say a right or conservative or libertarian position on the environment. Are there ways to fix some of the problems without just hoping that the government can do it and giving AOC and her Green New Deal more power over our lives? I think there's a way. All right, people, I hope you're feeling a little more enlightened, a little more decent, a little more ready to uh, get out there and make a world that you wanna make. Uh, I'm going to do a couple podcasts today, and then as I said, perhaps I'm seeing real people tonight. Don't tell on me. Uh, have a good day, everybody, and I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubinreport.locals.com.